from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNY News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. I'm Ron Jose, Senior Editor with CUNA and Credit Union Magazine. Adrian Johnson, Senior Vice President, CFO of MeQ Credit Union in Baltimore, is Chairman of the African American Credit Union Coalition. In that role, Johnson leads the AACUC in its mission to increase diversity within the credit union community through advocacy and professional development. Adrian and I talked at the AACUC's annual conference in Charlotte, North Carolina. In this discussion, Johnson shares insight on the AACUC's important role in the credit union community. He also shares an inspirational story in his own life. Adrian, uh, tell me about your credit union journey. How did you get started in credit unions? I started with MeQ in July of 1997, so 22 years ago, as an investment manager. I've been in the space, of course, uh, 41 years. I started at a community bank, and uh, I was a uh, just graduating from high school. And uh, a couple months later, I landed a job. My first job was a coin teller. So I've been in the space 41 years. Out of that 41 years, 36 of those years has been on the accounting or finance side of the business. And you're from Baltimore, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I'm from Baltimore. And you're hearing a lot of in the news these days about Baltimore. And, and I tell you, I was raised my first uh, 10 years. My grandmother lived in her house. Uh, first 10 years of my life uh, was on in West Baltimore. So the the side of town that you're hearing so negatively about, that's where I was raised. I still get my hair cut down there in West Baltimore. I went to school, elementary school in West Baltimore. My formative years, teenage years, was on the uh, southwest side of town. And then, of course, I raised uh, with my first wife, two kids, raised a family a little over 18 years in uh, Northeast Baltimore. So up until 14 years ago, I lived inside of Baltimore City. You're Chief Financial Officer and Senior Vice President at MeQ. You've worked your way up there. You've had a long career there. Tell me about your day-to-day job. What do you do on a day-to-day basis right now? So just kind of as an overview, my responsibilities include, of course, the accounting and finance side. And that entails, of course, accounting, uh, liquidity, Asset liability management, so balance sheet management. Also, uh, oversee a fixed income bond portfolio. And basically, that's on the corporate side of the business. Just, I guess, to back up to, we're a $1.2 billion shop. The, the fixed income bond portfolio is a little over $300 million. And so, um, you know, want to make sure that the liquidity is coming off of the uh, bond portfolio. Want to make sure we have enough money to loan to our members, and we also uh, buy participation loans as well. We have a newly formed uh, department in the in the uh, institution, which is a financial uh, wellness department. And so, you know, when we talk about accounting and finance and all the stuff related to that, that's more on the corporate side. And and so this newly formed financial wellness department really touches our members, and we want to help them improve on their financial lives so they can live better. And so 
really excited about that because we're trying to help move the make an impact and move the needle with folks who are struggling with whatever, whether it be savings, whether it be their credit. Um, we want them to be the best consumers that they could possibly can be. Day to day also, I, I, I make sure I keep on top of what's happening in our economy, make sure I report that back to leadership and also to our board, um, through our ALCO committee. I mentioned earlier, I've been in this industry uh, for 41 years. I started off as a coin teller, you know, to make it, you know, I started at the bottom and to make it to the top of the organization, you have to build relationships with people. And so soft skills um, is very important. So interacting with folks. I'm not one of those. I'm not the. You'll never see me as the loudest guy in the room. And of course, when I started my career, I was such, such an introvert. But I always try to make sure I give respect to people. And I've always, for the most part of my career, I've been in settings where you know everybody know who's who was in charge, and so I didn't have to beat people over the head uh, with stuff. You worked for Bert Hash, who's nothing less than a legend in this um, industry. Tell me about his influence on your career. So Bert is a legend in Baltimore, and of course, uh, I met actually met Bert prior to MeQ, and so here's a guy who. Everybody knew, and of course, I did not know. Um, but you know, I was the highest-ranking African American in the community bank that I worked for, and so I just, you know, as far as folks inside of that bank, they knew me. But once I once I went out that door or left the, left the office, nobody knew me outside of that. So through another organization, um, it was a banking organization. I actually had an opportunity to meet uh, Bert, and he was one of the first people I met. And so I intentionally tried to network with him, um, build a relationship with him just to kind of get the lay of the land. He's a guy that looks like me. And so it's just an opportunity to kind of interact and, and get his viewpoints on things from an African-American uh, perspective. And one thing I tell people, you never know who you're going to meet and you never know the impact that they were going to have on your life. And so I did not anticipate Bert being the CEO of, of, of MeQ. We did a rebranding, so we're MeQ Credit Union now. I did not know uh, where, where his uh, career was going to go, uh, but certainly he was looking for, uh, they needed an investment manager. And my job prior to that was working for a CFO. I was the CFO's financial analyst, and I got an opportunity to, not to run the portfolio directly, but certainly I was like a sponge just trying to learn as much as I could and how we, what was the strategy and how that tied into the balance sheet. And so that gave me the experience that I needed to land the job uh, at MeQ. And so I worked for Bert for directly for him about 17 years. And so it's just, uh, you know, how amazing is it to work for a guy that looks like you? And so, you know, you expire, you know, inspired by him, motivated by him. But there was times when, you know, yes, we talked about the business, but we also just talked about life from an African-American male perspective. And, and that just meant a lot to me because, you know, not only going through not only professional issues, but also personal issues. And so we, we, I got to get him to know him as a person and he got to know me as a person um, as well. And so, but, you know, on a professional level, every two weeks, we have two uh, board meetings a month at MeQ and, and just had just to watch him, um, how he, you know, interacted with the board and how um, 
receptive ideas and strategies and, and just the, that whole makeup was, was just um, amazing to me. And so I really appreciate the opportunity to work with him. But I, I got to tell you, he changed the trajectory of my life. Tell our audience about MeQ Credit Union. It's very special. Um, you mentioned Baltimore, and, and I'm sure it's, a, it's an institution in Baltimore, and it's a gem of our industry. Um, can you kind of tell me about the, the status that MeQ Credit Union has? So MeQ is the largest financial institution, credit union institution in, in Baltimore. And we're actually larger than some of the community, a lot larger than some of the community banks in uh, Baltimore as well. And so Bert came in uh, with a uh, community service type of uh, background, community outreach, um, community service, um, giving back to the community. And so over the last, since I've been there, 22 years, it's really the DNA of the organization. And we give employees an opportunity, whatever organization they feel passionate about, they have they can volunteer hours with that organization. Just recently, uh, we were recognized um, by the Baltimore Business Journal for our 2018 philanthropy efforts. And so not only do we roll up our sleeves, but we also give dollars um, as well. That's, you know, from uh, doing the right thing and talking about credit union movement, people helping people. That's what it's all about. And so that's what we try to do within our within Baltimore and surrounding, you know, surrounding Baltimore as well. Our new CEO, John Hamilton, he's come in and kind of firmed up the organization, if you will. And so he's improved our infrastructure. Uh, he's improved our risk profile. You know, we're, we've been a well-capitalized uh, organization, but we're really, from a risk standpoint, from our infrastructure standpoint, we're well-positioned for growth. And then in May, I was talking about we went through a rebranding. In May of this year, our name is uh, changed from MeQ Baltimore uh, to MeQ Credit Union, and that was rolled out to our employ- to all of our employees. And so we have a new mission is to empower our members to improve their financial well-being and live better. And then, of course, our motto is better banking for all. And that seems, you know, that seems like it's been well received, uh, not only by our employees, uh, but our members as well. And you said you recently went through a rebranding. What is MeQ Credit Union's current strategic priorities? Well, we want to grow um, and want to help our members. We certainly want to be our members' uh, first choice as far as a, a financial institution, but we want to make sure that we improve their financial well-being so that they can live better. And so, you know, we want to move the needle. If their credit score is a lower score, we want to improve that score. If their savings is not where it should be, we want to improve, help improve their savings. And so, you know, we want to grow the credit union, but we also uh, want to make sure that our members are the best consumers that they can possibly be and taking care of the needs for them personally and also their families as they, you know, get older or they as their needs increase. You're the chairman of the the African American Credit Union Coalition and and anybody who's experienced this conference understands the significance of the AACUC. What's your vision for the uh coalition? You know, we've got a history um, you know, we got over 20 one year history. If you look at the conference, this is our 21st conference. 
And some people think of us as the NAACP of the credit union movement. We like to think of ourselves as, as the AACUC is the preferred diversity and inclusion partner for the credit union movement. And so as we embark on this movement for the next 20 years or so, we, we've enhanced our position, it seems like, every year. And so we want to make it easier for members coming in to get those positions, those C-level or VP-level positions. We want to see more CEOs and uh, African-American CEOs across the country. And so basically, we want to strive to increase diversity within the credit union movement and provide equitable opportunity for all. We want to maintain our position as a go-to organization and identify executive talent for credit union organizations. We always hear we can't find anybody. We can't find anybody. But I'm t- here to tell you that we've got members in our organization, AACUC, educated, experienced, talented, innovative, that all they're looking for is that opportunity. And so we want to uh, help them. One of the things I love about this organization, I always talk about it, and I think it's value added, is power of the network. There's a network within this organization. And then there also is the power of, of influence. We've got people in this organization, if they put a good word in for you, it's good as gold. And so that resonates with people. And so we want to help people move in that direction. We're certainly champion internship programs among credit unions. Long time ago, we started um, internship programs, reached toward the future. Now, it seems like everybody has an internship program. And so we want to make sure that African-American students, and we're an inclusive organization, so it can be people of color. It can be people that are not of color. We try to help everybody. And so we want to certainly continue to champion the internship programs. We're working diligently to maintain sound and healthy partnerships that can safely adapt to members' changing needs. You've witnessed some of the the vendors here at this conference. They have been partners uh, with us trying to help us um, get to where we need to go. And so building those relationships, they have resources that have helped this organization. Certainly want to engage young professionals and provide networking and mentorship programs. We want to advocate for credit unions and collaborate with our partners. And then we're always, you know, that's what this conference is about, professional development. And so some of our sessions, you know, we've got great speakers. We've got great relevant topics to help develop our professionals. So as as they uh, aspire, as they try to um, get these positions out there, that they have that experience and they have the, um, the knowledge uh, under their belts. And moving on to another very uh, inspiring topic, um, Black Friday in 2017, you and your wife Zelda experienced a very difficult personal challenge. Can you tell me that story? Yeah, I can. And of course, my wife is here and she probably can tell you better, um, but I'll kind of start it off. And, and so um, Black Friday every year I go to work. And uh, this particular uh, Black Friday, uh, we were scheduled to have dinner with friends. And uh, my wife came into town, so she's driving her own car. I have my car. Make a long story short, we go to dinner, have a great time. No signs of anything going wrong. So we get on the Beltway, 695 East, headed towards 83 North. We live in southern Pennsylvania. 
and uh, my wife, she was ahead of me. I, you know, I just happened to be behind her and she pulled over. I could tell she was in distress and she explained to me what happened to her and the symptoms. I didn't know. I thought it was a stroke. And so it just so happened. And, you know, you can say what you want, but I think it was God's plan. We were we were going in the right direction. She pulled over at the right time. When the ambulance got there, they took her to a the, the closest hospital. And this hospital is a great hospital for heart for heart surgery. We had no clue. Five and a half hours later, she was having open heart surgery. That was an emergency surgery. And that was the first open heart surgery. But it was an emergency situation that really kept her alive. And so she had to endure another open heart surgery just this past May. And she was in the hospital for about a month. Um, and so we've been, we've been married 31 months. And in the 31 months, she's had two open heart surgeries within a 19 month period. And so if you ever heard of uh, sickness and health, <laughs> married for sickness and health, richer for poor, for better, for worse, we've been we've been tested. You've been through that in 31 months. <laughs> I've been battle tested over the last 31 months. Yes, sir. And maybe Zelda, you can talk a little bit about this, but how have these events changed your lives in the past three years? And I mean, what's different about your lives today from that Black Friday? Well, first of all, thank you, Ron, for having me. We're but, happy to have you. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad to be here and be a part of this. But I tell you, it has definitely changed our lives. And a lot of people would think it kind of, it does change your life initially for the worst because you feel like the worst. And I feel like that, yes, the first one was to save my life. Um, the second emergency, I would call it, because of the fact that I was feeling something was wrong during my recuperation year, but I kept, what I say, sounding the alarm. Um, and I, and I employ anyone that feels that way. If you feel like something's wrong and you know yourself and your body, don't take everybody's word for it, even sometimes not even your doctor. You have to keep ringing that alarm. And so I, I did that. And, um, um, lo and behold, come to find out that I needed to have some more repair work done. So when that happened, again, wasn't happy about that, but I was told that due to my age and, um, and that my heart was good, um, that I needed just to have this done, the rest of it done so that I can have a nice productive life. So I'm very, I feel very blessed and, um, again, humble just to even be here, um, because I feel as though I've had a second chance at life. So with that being said, you would think that it would be the worst thing that could happen. Yes, worse in one aspect. But I'm the type of person that I try to see more than one side to a story. I see also that it's been a blessing in disguise. And a lot of people say, wow, how can you say, you know, what you went through has been a blessing? Because it took that, I would say, it was used to help me know and be more aware, more thankful, not to take life for granted. Um, and that, you know, as the young lady spoke earlier this morning about having a purpose, and I feel as though that we have a purpose. Um, Adrian and I, just short story with that, um, we connected together, we dated in, during our younger years. 40 years ago, huh? <laughs> Really? 40 years yeah. ago, yeah, I met her 40 years ago, I met her in May of 1979. Yes, actually took me to my senior prom. 
And, um, but we left and we went separate ways. I moved to Virginia, moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and somehow I ended up back in Baltimore. And, um, during that time, um, reconnected with Adrian and, you know, we just, you know, shake our heads a lot of times. He always says, God has a sense of humor, you know, because of how it happened. Cause I said, no, I don't think I'll ever be going back to Baltimore. But as, as he said, fate would have it. And I believe God would have it that we did reconnect afterwards. That's why he say we just been married 31 months. And it's like, Oh Lord, it's a lot happening in this short time. But I feel again that, you know, everything happens for a reason. And so with that, I feel as though the way our life has changed, it has brought us closer together. We already were pretty close, but we understand each other and we feel as though we do have a purpose together and that we're on this life's journey together. And I'm just very thankful to be here. So this has indeed been a very purpose-driven and heartwarming conversation. And I thank both of you for joining us. Um, Is there anything that you would like to add? Yeah, a couple of things I'd like to add. And and so one of the things, one of the quotes that I heard last year, um, 50 year anniversary of Bobby Kennedy's death. And he says, some men see things as they are and say, why? I dream of things that never were and say, why not? And so as I look about, look at my journey, you know, there was a lot of things that happened um, that were not there. They weren't there. And so we had to dream or we had to envision uh, what that would look like. And so, you know, we're making those dreams or some of those visions uh, come true. And so I, I like that that quote. Um, the other thing I tell people, and I always, especially young folks, you know, I tell them to live simply, care deeply, speak kindly, and give up your time and your treasure. And so there are times when you got to roll up your sleeves um, and, and get your hands dirty. And there's times you got to take out the checkbook and write checks. And so, you know, I hope people will donate to AACUC, give, 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 get involved in the movement, whether it be the Craig Union movement or the AACUC movement, respect others, but, you know, just live a simple life. One thing about our relationship with Zelda, no drama. We don't, we don't do drama too well. And so when I say live, live simply, that's what I'm talking about. Cause all that does is get you stirred up, cause stress. And then your high, your blood pressure is high, you know, just a lot of mess. And so um, those are my words, my parting words. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.